they do. You don't know what they sacrifice. We have lost touch with the principles in the Constitution. Nobody's read the Declaration of Independence. You are voting for socialism, and you got what you voted for. Welcome, bold Americans, to another episode of America Emboldened. As always, I'm your host, Greg Bolden, both here on the America Out Loud Network, as well as streaming, because it's a Friday show airing on Thursday nights live on all your social media platforms, except for YouTube. I've been removed from YouTube. I went too far. I broke the, the laws. I talked about that thing that you can't talk about, like Voldemort. Yes, I was talking about the WHO's vaccine study they did over the 99 billion doses. So thank you to all those other platforms that are still engaged in this conversation tonight and allow me to broadcast to you, the bold American audience. As always, make sure you head over to americaoutloud.news where you can check out all my colleagues' work, people like the great Dr. Peter McCullough that you heard earlier in the show, as well as some other great names, such as my co-host, Chris Michaels. How you doing, Chris? Pretty good, Greg. How about you? I can't complain. I'm doing well, man. It's been a good week. You know, we just had a major outage of uh, all cell phone companies today, likely due to solar storms and maybe just a little bit of a cyber attack. And that actually excites me because maybe we're going to finally go back to having to talk to one another and getting the phones out of our hands. I would like to see Morse code come back. Maybe put up some telegraph poles. Uh, semaphore. Semaphore is very, yeah. very good for aerobic or anaerobic exercises. You can wave your arms around. Who knows? If you do it fast enough, you can actually get some lift. I was just going to buy a pigeon and send my pigeon up to Long Island whenever I need to get in touch with you. You know, we can we can do a show by pigeon from here on out. You know, it's I'm not sure to make it past Manhattan with all the other pigeons in there. Yeah. Make it a very <laughs> might find a girlfriend along yes. the way. You know, I'll have to get a female uh, bird and hope that it doesn't find a stud. I know. I know. All very, right. very interesting week in politics, too. Yeah. Very, very interesting, especially when it comes to Trump and what's been going on with that and what we're finding about about Fannie Willis. And all these connections. Well, we're going to have a lot to talk about. And we got a guest tonight that's having these type of difficult conversations that you and I have. Uh, so our guest tonight is Brian Escal. He's the host of Searching for Political Identity. And he's been kind of on a tear of interviewing all the libertarian presidential candidates over the last uh, month or so. A lot of the candidates I've had on the show myself, people like Mike Termot, who absolutely is one of my favorite human beings in the world. Uh, Michael Rechtenwald, who actually stood us up, Chris Michaels, you remember that. Um, I know he got a little busy. He got overbooked yeah. on his schedule that time, and he's supposed to do the show still in the future. But uh, we have not uh, gotten him back since then. He had a family okay. emergency. So, you know, best. But we'll get still going into on. It, the family emergency <laughs> still going on. Here we are like 30 days later. I hope they're OK. <laughs> but but Brian is doing uh, along the same lines of what I do. Uh, he is trying to ask questions about why are political ideologies ingrained the way they are in this country? And can we figure out what is our political identity as an individual? Uh, are we a label in a silo or are we able to have other larger conversations? And I'm curious, in his two years on his journey of doing his podcast or a little bit longer than that, we'll get into that in a few minutes with him. What has he learned uh, has he found a political identity? Has his political identity shifted and changed throughout life? All these great questions of the cosmos to be answered right now as we welcome Brian Escal to the stage. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for that introduction. It means a lot to be here. 
Absolutely, Brian. Now, uh, I've been following your work uh, for the last several months. You popped up one day on my Twitter feed or X, whatever the cool kids are calling it. And I was like, hey, here's somebody who's doing work similar to what I'm doing, a kindred spirit, so, so to speak. And so I was very curious about, let's get back to the basics. Tell people about who you are, why did you start your show, and uh, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. So it goes back to growing up in a progressive home, being influenced by and very much concerned with the opinion of my father and his brother, who are very politically left-leaning guys. In fact, my uncle Rick Richard uh, was Bernie Sanders' third hire in 2016 as a speechwriter. So that's the family dynamic, the energy politically that I come from. And um, was somewhat of an atheist slash agnostic person in high school and college. And generally, I have to admit, and part of my revelation is that I was a low-information voter. I, as smart as I think I am and all of that, and it, as interested in politics as I like to say that I was, you know, I was just voting for Democrats, okay? And time went on, and then I got bored at work. I'm a construction manager by day. I got a little restless, and I said, let me go to law school, uh, feed the mind a little bit, and it was fantastic. And that was a big, you know, stepping stone to beginning the process of searching for political identity. But what really did it was studying critical race theory in my final year in two electives um, with, a, with an unbelievably phenomenal professor. And the, but the material was controversial. It just was. And the atmosphere in the classroom was even more controversial. So when you combine all of that with current events, Trump, Trump derangement syndrome, vaccines, COVID, all of it together, how could you not be, right? So that's kind of what happened. All right. So how long have you been doing the show now? Did I get it right? Is it about two years or is it three? Three. Three years? Okay. I was off by a year. You know, when you start doing this, though, it's easy to, to lose track of time. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I was it's, just a, it's just about doing it, right? It's just exactly. about being in it. Yeah. Like, I, I was doing the math recently, and I was like, wow, I have a year's worth of shows recorded. You could listen to one show a day and mm. still have more episodes, and I'm thinking... How many minutes have been recorded out of my voice? You know, AI, I think there's probably a version of me at this point in time out there. You know, they got my intelligence. Yeah, we got to come back to AI at, the, at some Oh, we point. will. We're, we're going to get yeah. into a ton of things. You got Chris Michaels on the show here with us. Like, mm. trust me, this is going to be, for those that are tuning in right now live, oh. uh, feel free to leave your comments and questions that you have, topics you want us to address. We're certainly going to go there tonight uh, with this. All right, so Brian. You start off in this progressive home and family. What's wrong with that? I mean, honestly, I like mm. to kind of ask the questions of, I don't believe that people are uh, should be demonized for being a progressive, nor do I think that a conservative or a right-wing person should be demonized. Um, you know, was that a bad thing, a good thing? Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, great question. Nothing. And it certainly wasn't my growth in knowledge of economics. So it wasn't the economic issues. It was the social issues, right? And I think at the end of the day, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, is there something different about the social context we live in today than the past? Well, of course, and when I was growing up, yes. And, you know, obviously not to be bigoted in any sense. I hope that's obvious. But there's just so much questioning from the left and critical race theory becomes a part of it, but generally the critique, the critical, the, where it all comes from, the idea that our society um, is, is oppressive and it's just the 
I think there's so much on the left socially that I began to question just, yeah. So it was the social issues. Okay. So let's go to the critical race theory. I mean, that sounds like a barrel of fun here. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was it that didn't settle well with you or what settled well with you uh, during that class? You know what it was, was here I am sitting in this class and I'm being told that all around me, I should have known all this time that this society is harming black people right now on a daily basis. And I'm just ignoring it. I'm just ignorant to it. I didn't want to believe that that could be so true. The picture that's painted in the class and what it is in a sentence is the premise that society needs to be radically transformed to achieve racial equity. The idea that our structures do, um, per, you know, create white hegemony is the word. And that just socially, economically, politically, and so how to fix that and so it's just here i was questioning my political identity any anyway but this was just an explosion of oh my god could i have been this ignorant you almost didn't want to believe it and here we are three white guys hosting a podcast right now having this conversation i mean fine. what great experts we are on this topic to begin with i'd like to throw a little no no but i know what i studied in right. class from the mind of an expert who was i could go on and tell you about my professor who was a probably early 60s, late 50s, black man, super esteemed. Uh, just so I know what I learned in that class. And uh, what I learned is that it's a question of assimilation, ultimately, the idea that we have a society, a structure, and that outsiders are going to have different views than insiders and that that battle needs to happen. It's the absorption is not healthy for the outsiders. And so it you know, it makes you go from the very first time you're uncomfortable checking a box about your race, right? I think I was in fifth grade when I had to do that in school. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, why? So full circle to that. It's like, are you really telling me that black people can't su succeed in this society? It's very controversial. So, okay. I, I like to cover this topic from a couple different uh, sections. One, my day job. My day job, I'm a public school teacher. I teach audio, radio, video. Mm. When people hear the word critical race theory, I think that there's two different things that they think about. First, they think about this uh, shaming white people uh, for being white. I don't see mm. that as what critical race theory is. Uh, my understanding of it has always been when I'm in the classroom teaching audio, radio, video, I need to teach the entire history, not just the popularized things that maybe I think students should know, I need to teach about why was it that blackface was used in movies early on? Why is it that uh, we didn't have somebody winning an Oscar until uh, Hattie won the Oscar and then a male later on uh, with Sidney Poitier? What was going on in Hollywood to color that? Now, other people would say, well, that's critical race theory. I see that as, well, you need to teach history so you don't repeat it in the future. Um, mm. I'm kind of curious what's your thoughts based upon my two impressions about, uh, yeah. how you think people fall that you've interviewed and where you're laying now. Well, I haven't through any interviews gained any more insight than I did in the classroom. And I would just say that there is a part critical race theory can be viewed as a two part thing, like history. And that's understanding real history and being exposed to real history. That's valid. But there's also a prescriptive element to it. There's just no question. Okay, so what are you going to do about it is the point. That's critical race theory. What are you going to do about it? 
you know, teaching is not merely enough. Teaching is part of it, definitely. But it's it's a question of uh, so the critical race theory falls in, into a, a spectrum for how uh, the professor, at least, who's definitely a student of Derek Bell, and he's just an expert man. There's traditionalism, reformism, critical race theory, and something called limited separatism. And traditionalism is the average Republican, Ted Cruz. The civil rights movement did its job. It was a great thing. Ted Cruz would certainly tell you the civil rights movement was a great thing, right? He, well, of course he would. And he would say that was it, man. And, you know, not to act like everything is hunky-dory, but to say that you you don't need anything, you know, you can, you're doing fine. And you don't need anything additional. And the reformist says, no, the race neutrality principle, we want to get there. But even more important than that is racial um, uh, progression, advancement, being conscious and helping underserved communities. And then critical race theory is the idea that, no, it's, it's got to go full bore. you got to restructure everything to, to make um, equality or equity, whatever you want to say, racially. So it's... it's and then limit, limited separatism was just the idea that uh, apparently Derek Bell on his deathbed, as it was told to me, lamented that CRT didn't get embraced by the mainstream American culture, which, of course, in the view is is white. Um, so therefore, limited separatism is just, hey, let's have separate black communities, not separate. Excuse me. Let me be precise. Primarily black institutions that are always at least a majority black think HBCUs, but on a bigger scale communally. It's just sad, right, to be thinking that we want to be thinking that way. Although I recently spoke to someone about that, and they said, "Hey, there's a certain amount of sense to be made about having a, building stronger communities, whatever." But to be learning this stuff in law school, right? So, I mean, you, that's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. So we have really two major political parties that I think have kind of wings to them at this point in time. You have your Democrats that have your moderate Democrat and you have your far left progressive Democrat and you have your conservative party, which I think has kind of gone to kind of the libertarian style minded conservative party. And then the alt right as they get labeled by the media where it's like nobody but Donald Trump can solve the world's problems. Um, and I find that it's very difficult to play in any of these landscapes. And in this conversation that you just had, about critical race theory and like, what are the problems in the world? I don't think it's fixable in the sense of, yes, you do have a Ted Cruz type of approach to things where he says, well, you know, the civil rights movement, it did its job and it's great. And now you have people saying, well, affirmative action should be ended because now it's discriminating upon another race. The problem is no one's addressing the poverty in the cities. Right. And many times it's incentivized in order to keep individuals in that type of poverty system. You have Democrats that have cashed in for years off of uh, racial inequality. Uh, and when I say cash in, they've used it as a voting point when really I'd like to point out when you go to the Democrat cities, these are some of the poorest areas that are affecting uh, a, a racial minority in profound ways. So unless you upend the entire system of thinking a political party is going to solve my problems, you can't actually talk about how everybody can have what the Bill of Rights was supposed to define as everybody's right to the pursuit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
that's just not possible in a completely divided political sphere. Uh, you're going to find too many people that say, well, that constitution is a literal document. That constitution is a living document. That constitution is a document that needs to change or be thrown out. As you do that, how do you have a conversation about how we interact with one another in this country and solve where there is any type of inequality? This is where I will say I've gained a little insight since doing the podcast, which in which I've talked mostly to libertarians. Because the libertarians will say, there's no room for the state. There's no role for the state. There's no. So it's a matter of, is there a role for the state? And what is that role? And does it, is addressing um, inequality as the result of uh, the past part of it? So it's a great question. It's a perfect question for my podcast. And I think you can have creative and interesting conversations if you engage them in good faith with people from all diverse backgrounds. And what I enjoy lately is to think, okay, well, if I'm gonna eventually buy into this libertarian anarcho-capitalist vision, which it's a long way, I'm a long way from saying that I have, but I'm definitely enjoying playing with it. What if you say, hey, look, like, can we address the historic inequalities first in a transition plan, right? So is it, can you give something to everybody like that's an, so I, I don't know that there's an answer that doesn't involve something really long-term and creative where you give something to everybody. Yeah. I mean, you're advocating for socialism. In, in, well, in so, case. right. I mean, so what do you do? I mean, you know, should the state play a role in fixing this problem? Well, and everyone I'm talking to says, no, there's no role for the state. So, what does the Republican say about that? The Republican says, no, that's promoting critical race theory and, and racial tensions. And the Democrats will say, no, it's just righting wrongs. I, I think it's not like that's not so simple. So the answer, yeah. I guess the answer would be to say, hey, look, guys, it's too divisive and probably not fair or necessary to talk about this by race. Let's look at it by class and let's ask, our, ask ourselves, do we want to do something with this problem? I think that's much more palatable. I think that's the answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I hear this and I'm thinking when we just divide it into this is the way this side thinks, that's the way that side thinks, we don't get answers. But I, I think the, the larger argument, when you went the class, that's a little bit better because I know I have a few listeners that are always like, you know, I grew up completely uh, poor and I'm white. This is my listeners speaking when they, when they talk about it. Um, but they're like, I grew up completely poor. I grew up white and I don't feel like I owe any uh, person of color any type of reparations because I was not privileged. I didn't get anything up. Uh, you know, uh, one of my listeners, like my father was in jail. Right. Um, and so my family came with a dollar in his pocket after correct. the latest injustice happened to your ancestors. Yep. And so uh, what I would like to see quite honestly, and this is going to sound horrible, but I'd like to see us in some respects, start the move forward, move onward. Um, I understand that in order to do that, there are certain things that, Hey, it's, it's going to kind of suck. You're, you're born into shitty situations. I get that. But the more I think we tried to do handouts instead of truly want people to succeed, which I think that there's people that don't truly want people to succeed until we give people opportunities that are meaningful, nothing's going to change property. 
the ability to own property is a powerful, powerful tool. Our founding fathers knew that extremely well. Part of your rights is a right to property, which government has been trying to restrict and take away over time. Um, Chris Michaels, you're over there being so quiet and that's not like you. We got to get you into this conversation. Just I'm just holding right back coughs. That's it. <laughs> I told you. I know you're not so, feeling well. So hot. So, uh, okay. So I used to do in a prior life uh, for about a year, I used to do broadcasting on an all black podcasting network. And we used to have some interesting conversations. I had a, um, a black co-host for a while and he was more old school than anything else. So he would be able to reference, um, you ever hear the fifth percenters? Um, those guys. I think so. Uh, yeah. Was that Islam? Uh, close. Um, nation it, of Islam. No, no, no I don't think it was nation up? of Islam as much. Uh, but basically it's, it's Freemasonry light. So they have a lot of, um, association with mathematics and all that. So that's where he was kind of coming from. So we got on the question of crime and all of that. And I said to him, okay, so everybody says this thing and that is, it's not the race, it's the culture. Okay. So what culture? What are we talking about here? How, how can you even define that? And then I said, if it's not the race, it's the uh, it's the culture. What would you do to fix it on limited funds? You can spend however much money you want, but reparations is off the table. Had no answer. Hmm. So what is it? Do you want an education? Do you want that? You can get it for free. Hmm. You know, I personally am of the mindset where a community college should probably be free. Uh, and there are some really good community colleges out there. Um, but if we're talking about trying to mend fences here and unite a culture again, what is it? Give me an honest answer where it uplifts everybody, where it uplifts the whole boat and reparations. I don't want to hear about it. What is it? Well, you know, you guys would love this class because the professor knows that that's the man. He's, he's a realist. He knows that that is, is firmly believed by a lot of people. And I certainly had that view in class. I developed it. I realized I had it. And he was masterful at approaching it. And you would, he would just say to you, you know, the poker chips, you know, property rights are supreme and so important, but you, the government deprived us of it. So how is it fair? It's fundamental fairness, and it does go to seeing between the black letter law and looking more towards the equity principles in the judicial system. To your earlier point about the Constitution, how do you do it? It calls to use the, well, um, there are many who call to use the judicial branch to enact it, and that's a whole problem, right? So Not me, just, not me. It, it's, it's, so, so you run up against these problems, and then he'll say, I'm not trying to duck your question, Chris, I'm just saying, like, he'll say, See, see that structure, the the Constitution enshrines these principles that are white. And sadly, it does reduce down to this. And so not every black person in an underserved community um, would necessarily say that, you know, we need to make society socially equal among races. But, the you know, there is a definitely an intellectual wing of black culture that says society needs to be restructured chris i mean that's what the crt is like radically every facet everything like every factor quotas like steroids like the whole thing what yeah. you're all, all everything that you're feeling it's everything 
um, it's the that the Ibram Kendi. Like you have to inject us and fix it. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. and that's I hard. Guess. And then Vivek comes around, and Vivek slams the door on it for me, right? With his really interesting campaign, he slammed the door, and he was really addressing the critical race theory stuff, and was just saying, "No, what." We've focused too long on what divides us that we've lost track of what unites us across that divide. Great line. And, um, you know, what would Professor say to your question about what do they want? Because he knows that people are going to say, what do, and they're just going to say, guys, what do we want? And I think it's a perspective shift. Okay. So, what would the answer to, what would you say a reasonable answer would be? Um, Reparations are off the table, but we want to better the culture and mend fences. Now, this is all conjecture. Nobody's holding you to it. I I, I think, I think, I think the question of is there a problem within the black community culturally was was completely ignored, frankly. Mm. So I have to acknowledge that. Um, We focused on the system Mm. and the way the way blacks have been treated. Um through the lens of this professor's opinion and set many people who share his view, not Clarence Thomas, that's a whole nother can of worms, you know, to the question of what about black conservatives, they will say very clearly and academically, Hey, they're in the minority of the black community. And so it's not an individualistic. I a hundred percent disagree with that statement at this point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, I I live in a neighborhood where I think I'm probably a minority. Um, It's uh, white is definitely a minority in my neighborhood. When I am walking my dog, when I'm talking to neighbors, I have yet, and I'm not making this up, <laughs> I have yet to have a conversation with one of my neighbors that would consider themselves a liberal. It's all conservatives. And they all talk about the same thing about the kind of a conspiracy against them. And the reason why they are supporting Donald Trump in the upcoming election is they believe that uh, he is the best way forward to try to get us back to some common sense. And I'm blown away by it because the narrative tells you otherwise. Uh, But my experience, I'm not meeting a lot of people uh, across the board that are uh, progressives. I'm meeting a lot of white people that are progressive liberals. I'm meeting a lot of feminists that are progressive liberals. Um, and that's on both sides of doesn't matter what your skin color is. So it seems to me that there is actually uh, a narrative that's false at this point in time that's painted on uh, ethnicity about which side somebody's going to vote for in the upcoming election, as well as where things might stand in our country. People are just afraid to speak up. People are afraid of being ridiculed. I, I was just in the dentist office yesterday and my dentist said to me, Hey, uh, your, your podcast, you're, you're a public school teacher. Do you ever worry about losing your job? And I said, no, I, I, I honestly, I don't. And he goes, well, you, you cover some pretty risque topics. You, you kind of go out there and talk about things that maybe you're not supposed to. I said, what are you not supposed to talk about with truth? What am I not allowed to explore in an open environment? The minute that I start, you know, becoming bigoted, in my approach on my shows or claim that I know it all, that would be the time where I would be like, yeah, maybe I'm going to get fired for this. But I think the most beautiful we can, thing we can do is disagree to agree and try to come up with more solutions for the future. Um, 
So here's, here's where I'm going with this. Brian, in your conversations and in, in this lens that we're starting the show off with, which I wasn't expecting to start there, but I'm glad that we did. Where are you leaning right now? If the election was going to be tomorrow, um, you don't have to endorse a candidate. I don't want you to endorse a candidate. I want you to endorse ideals. What does your ideal look like in a candidate that would represent you? Well, I've always been attracted to a candidate who can, at the, on voting day, I want to vote for someone who is better than me. I know that's better than me, um, who can articulate a vision that is positive and that I have trust in. And as I mature uh, generally and with my legal education, um, that's changing a little bit. So, so, but still, generally speaking, you know, I want someone who sounds like Obama, right? Sounds like Vivek, pretty close. Does a good job. Different, very different. As, but I want to be. Yeah, Biden was the exception, and in, in that, I wasn't uh, inspired. Really, it was just a vote because I couldn't vote for Trump. So, I have no idea how I'm going to vote. I'm genuinely in limbo. Um, I don't think I could vote for Biden again. I, that's what's interesting about it is that I don't think I could vote for Biden. I just can't see it. And out. in the last election, you couldn't vote for Trump. And now you're like, I can't vote for Biden. Right. Is there any reason at all that you could make for voting for Trump? Sure. And this allows me to address some of what you just said before, which I really wanted to do because you said a lot of interesting stuff there. And Trump represented the primal reaction to all this stuff like CRT that's coming from, I think, academia. And I, I think I went into the hornet's nest, so to speak. I don't mean to be pejorative. Um, but at the time when it was like at its peak, CRT, it was just, uh, DeSantis was all over the news with it. I was studying it. I'm, I'm at a good law school from an amazing professor. I'm getting the source. And the reality is I think it exists in academia and the government is definitely pushing it with in various forms but does it exist in in the neighborhood not that i see not that you see and so trump is a reaction to that and and if if not intellectually people are understanding emotionally like no like what we're being told and fed doesn't make sense and you brought up the the word mainstream narrative just before and that is what we're doing right first of all searching for truth i mean at its base it's a whole other conversation but truth what is true what is proper in terms of government, in terms of society. Um, and then when you start asking that question, the problem is you don't know when to stop. I mean, how deep does the rabbit hole go? And you could go up your rocker and I'm, I'm afraid that I need to, you know, make sure I come back down to earth. So who am I going to vote for? Shit, man. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one given the dynamics because <clears throat> yeah, Trump, he just didn't speak to my better angels, right? But it's so interesting and so horrible, the dynamic. I'm going to ask you a question. It, could it be possible? This past week, this report comes out that the FBI informant lied about Joe Biden and Burisma, right? I, admittedly, I've had my head in the sand this okay. last week. I'm usually really up to date with certain so, events. So, so brief yeah, I'll, I'll brief you on it. Absolutely. So on the uh, FBI uh, 1023 report, which is kind of uh, the misappropriation that he filed a legal document, uh, 
this, uh, I think it's uh, Alexandria. I had it on my show the other day. I should have his name right off the top of my head. Siraki. Yeah, it's like some Eastern yeah. European sounding thing. I yeah, saw but anyway, he, he lied to the FBI. He was a hired informant and said that Joe Biden took $5 million from Burisma, but he called him, you know, top guy number one and then the son, you know, businessman number one. But this is what the Republicans were using as part of their impeachment inquiry. Now, it wasn't the whole impeachment inquiry. So unlike Democrats would like you to think it all falls apart here, it doesn't. Um, my question is this. I know so many people don't like Donald Trump. I know we have listeners to this show. They'll write to Chris and myself and say, you know, Donald Trump is going to ruin this country. He's literally Hitler. How do you guys not see it? I don't believe that. Retarded. Excuse my language. Honest reaction. Okay. I mean, you're probably along the lines of where Chris and I are when we get those type of text. My question is this though, if the FBI informant can lie about Joe Biden, why can't we at least go there and say, are FBI informants and the judicial system lying about Donald Trump? Hmm. All I can tell you is that, and maybe this is part of me being a low information bullshit artist, you know, who just operates on feel. But I know my dad is one of these people who says 60 judges and this and that case closed, blah, blah, blah. Couldn't conceive of the concept. Oddly, my dad actually concedes that Russiagate is bullshit, but he won't. This is how strong it is. Like, I'm like, dad, why can't you go one step further then and just ask, you know, question if maybe it's possible that things are, you know, out to get Trump. So what was your question again? I'm so sorry. So so if could you imagine that if the Department of Justice and the FBI have some problems now, uh, we can see this coming out in the courts. We can see this with the FBI's uh, bad informant. I think that that might strengthen a case for mm. Donald Trump's second term if people were to ponder, wait, maybe this is all corrupt in the background. Maybe there is a weaponized FBI and alphabet agencies. Well, the problem with that is then nothing matters and you can't trust anything. And it goes back to what the, you know, so, you know, yeah, I can certainly imagine that. I have always thought that Trump was treated unfairly by the media and uh, the government, frankly. I just have, and I'm not a supporter. And But this is why I wanted to bring you onto the show because a lot of people will hear you make that statement and go, well, he's secretly a Donald Trump supporter. There's no way he's not a Donald Trump yeah, supporter. Yeah, many people have said that um, to me. And um, it's not true at all. I mean, and you know, it's just, it just happens to be, and it's peculiar. And I don't have a lot of, uh, I'm like homeless, man. I think a lot of people are too visceral. So they only act upon emotions and they don't dare question anything. And I think we can get into a deep psychological discussion as to why these people act the way they do. You know, whether or not it's to fit in, they want to be a part of a crowd, they want to be part of the in thing, uh, they want to agree with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and the view and all that. Um, but I think what we're starting to find out after four hideous years is that they lied and they lied a lot. And so you're starting to get independence to believe that, hey, wait a minute, I should question this stuff. Um, and I think there are a lot more independent voters than anybody would like to admit that start to see that, wait a minute, Trump has really been raked over the coals with all of this. 
And even though we don't like them, we certainly don't like our bank accounts right now. So what what do we do with all of this? I mean, if it's going to be a choice between, I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to say it's either Kabbalah Harris or it could be uh, Gavin Gruesome. I think those two may be big money. I don't think he's feasible. No, you don't think so? Because I saw when you're in Mexico with Bill Clinton, you know, spilling tea. What are you talking about? Is, is it going to be Gavin Newsom for VP? Is it? Is that what it is? Mm. Oh, Kamala Newsom? Yeah. I, no, I mean, I understand the appeal. I mean, he's the perfect guy for the role. Yeah. I just I just think the hypocrisy with the French Laundry scandal was politically fatal. That's just my opinion. You just... How do you get elected president after that kind of hypocritical political PR problem? Or let alone actual hypocrisy i think and, and then and then the crime and the um, unhappy dissatisfaction in california i i actually um, as perfect as he is for the role i just don't see it happening i, I agree with you uh, and what really struck me as odd is that you had that debate between newsom and desantis so odd what I mean, that is just cringeworthy. I mean, DeSantis was out there in his four-inch heels, looking <laughs> as stiff as anything, like he still had a hanger in his suit jacket. And <laughs> what was that about? I mean, it looks to yeah. me, honestly, it so looks weird. to me like it's going to be Kabbalah Harris. And I mm. really do not believe for a second that you've heard the last of Ron DeSantis, because I think the people that are backing Nikki Haley are going to try to make him the VP slot and the VP choice. So that they can combine the voting block to go against Trump. So if we were to go down that road, what do you think? Do you think it would be Harris Newsom oh, versus Haley wow. DeSantis? Well, I mean, it's certainly plausible. I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, every president election, I assume, is interesting. But uh, this one's really fucking really interesting. And um, so if that's the dynamic, uh, well, so if it's Haley DeSantis. Yeah. Oh man, I'm going, Haley I'm, going, I'm going Haley DeSantis. I'm going I'm going Haley DeSantis. You're going Haley DeSantis. Oh man. Yes. Wow. Oh. Welcome to I World mean, War I, I'm, Three. I'm, Welcome I'm, to well, well, Globalist Agenda. Any is Kamala any different? Uh okay, so you're saying well, she's so well Haley is in chapstick. Haley is too yeah. is too extreme. So you're saying you're saying Haley is particularly extreme. She doesn't just represent any average mainstream no, uniparty person. No. All right. right. So this is what I don't like about Haley. A, a couple of things. Number one, she wants everybody to register their online presence with the government. That's so, an immature take. That was bad. Well, I know. But she, No, no, her on her oh, part. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I, it um, wouldn't be the first know. time that was... Michaels has an immature take. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, I, I, we've I... all had that thought, right? Like we've all been on Twitter for twenty minutes, and <laughs> right. this was my experience at Lice. And it's like, oh man, like maybe it makes sense. But like, if you spend like an hour or a month actually doing social media, I think that argument kind of would fade away from a serious thinker. Right. So she wants everybody to be logged, right, and have their name, address, phone number, email, all that stuff. Meanwhile, she doesn't even use her real name when she's running for president. Mm. So that's one. Two, I mean, her husband and what he's tied to with defense contractors. And I don't care. You sat on the board of, what, Boeing, right? Do you really think you're fired from that role, especially when you're running for president? And when you have Hillary Clinton, uh, mega donors dumping cash on you, Carl Rove's wife making a huge fundraiser for her. 
Um, so that's where I'm coming from on that. I mean, the reasons against Newsom and Harris are obvious, but Nikki mm -hmm. Haley, it's going to be more war. And you are seemingly, am a, uh, you're a Vivek love fan. No. Yeah, right. Yeah, you love war. You can't get enough of it. <laughs> uh, a Vivek fan. So what, he was absolutely 100% correct when he said <clears throat> Nikki Haley wants to send more people across the world to die, and she can't even point on a map where she wants right. them to that die in. That was brutal. That was mm -hmm. the most amazing part of that entire debate. Oh, my God. Look at the eyes. Look at the eyes she's given us. Yeah, that right. Yeah. Follow-up. <laughs> She's like, oh man, my pants. She just down move on. on She's just like, I know what to do. Just move on. The moment will pass. I'm yep. a politician. 20, <laughs> 24 hours later, hopefully people forget about this. No one's watching this debate anyway. <laughs> yeah, you know, you bring up that's really interesting. If it was like if it was DeSantis at the top of the ticket, or Vivek, or someone who was not so connected to the war industry, it would be easy for me to say, hey yeah, man, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna cross over for the first time. So. But it would that would be tough, Brian. You've been interviewing nothing but libertarian presidential candidates for like oh. the past month. Is there anybody that you would vote for in the Libertarian Party right now? I know that they haven't decided their candidate either, but mm. is there yeah. somebody that you were like, you know what? Out of all the people, because I, I I have my person in the Libertarian yeah. Party. Will you tell me if I? I mean, I'm going to answer your question yeah, regardless. I'll answer as well. Okay. Absolutely, go ahead. Okay. Um, I am a little bit enamored by, with my most recent guest, the man who must have surely had a mm -hmm. legitimate conflict when he stood you up. <laughs> I am enamored by him. I'm just so drawn to writers, great writing. Mm -hmm. And um, so for at, for the moment, but, there, but there's a real good argument for a Mike Termod as well. Um, they're so different. Mm -hmm. So I certainly don't know, but I would I would say that Rechtenwald, it let's assume Rechtenwald, and I don't know if this is the case, but Mike Terma and all of them are all equally aligned. First of all, I need to, I'm speaking to Chase Oliver in the near future, and uh, I'm hoping to meet Joshua Smith, who is a larger mm -hmm. presence than I had even known. And by the way, I know nothing. I'm just getting into this community. It's bizarre, and I'm so fortunate to have connected with these people. Maybe they need to raise their standards. Um, nah. And um, so Chase should be interesting. But Rechtenwald's communication ability, his writing style, I connect with and dig. That's cool. I mean, he's cool. So, yeah. Right. I would say a friend of the show's actually is doing Rechtenwald's uh, video content. So um, I do mm -hmm. have kind of a direct line uh, to him when I need him. So that's yeah. why I, I jab a little bit more about him not doing the show yet. Because I'm like, hey, come on. I, I, I have a direct line to you. Um, right. I think I even wrote to you. I, didn't I like send you like contact info at one point or something with him? Or I, I think I did. You um, might have. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't recall, I, honestly. Yes. Um, anyway, the, the point that I'm getting at. I'm like Joe point, Biden. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, I hope you're not like Joe Biden. You forget you're doing the show in about five minutes because mm. um, it's getting late. You know, you didn't get your Jared's yeah. hall yet. Um, <laughs> the candidate for me at this point is not Michael Rechtenwald. Uh, I have not had an opportunity to speak with him, so I don't know that's fair to 100% say. Um, the reason I like Mike Termot so much, Mike Termot is electable. When you, like, I've actually stood, like, in the same room with Mike. I've been at Washington, D.C. with him, had conversations. He is an affable, likable person. His humor comes through. He connects with people extremely well. He mm -hmm. can articulate the issues. 
Uh, he was tied to George Bush's Federal Reserve, working in it uh, earlier in his career. Uh, he's got a career in law enforcement that gives him that everyday type of uh, person experience. I think he can reach across aisles. Um, I really like Mike Termont, although I don't think any of the libertarian candidates have a shot in this election whatsoever because we have RFK Jr. running so in the background. Yep. And that is going to be the great mixer. I mean, we really are searching for political identity, so to speak, in 2024 with the options that we have. And the irony is I don't think that there's any political identity with really all three candidates, uh, mainstream candidates. If your assumption, oh, so so if, if you're saying Termot, Rechtenwald, and RFK are the three? Yep. And, and yeah, so Termot I love as well, and I totally agree with you. And I, I, I would say I have equal feelings about them but think about it Rechtenwald appeals to the emotion and I just spoke to him so for that reason I'm going to say Rechtenwald right now that makes sense right but Termat is so yeah I don't want to use the word polish I don't want to use the but he's 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 all the things you said and um the question is let's assume um that it would be possible which you said it, it is not uh for the libertarian candidate to actually do it this time who has a better shot between the two? Well, is it the Javier Malay type and wears it on his sleeve, or is it the traditional politician in a good way type? Mm -hmm. It's an it's a very interesting question. I don't know. Yeah, just for the record, RFK Jr. has no shot whatsoever in getting the Libertarian nomination. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's really one of the things that I've feel like an insight I've gained um actually in the last week or so is that finally understanding what, what the difference between an independent and a libertarian is. Oh, big a difference. Yeah, so I to me, it's like, okay, the independent has to be independent from something. Independent from what? Like the joke I have. What I've been saying, I know what it means to be independent from my mom, from my parents, from America to England, but what does it mean to be politically independent? And so it's from the moneyed interests, okay? Like the corporate interests. Mm -hmm. and, and then the libertarian is, we, we don't want the state. So they're different. They're very different. Michaels, jump in here. You're still <laughs> quiet over there. Like I'm he, sorry, he's I taking it all in. Cough. <laughs> but RFK, yeah. So it doesn't seem to me, from what little I know of the libertarian community and philosophy, doesn't make sense logic. It doesn't make sense philosophically that RFK would be the guy. Right. No, I, because I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I mean, if you look at RFK's poll, I think he's vying for the no labels party nomination. And if you look into them, they are, uh, you know, they're trying to get a third party candidate, middle of the road kind of guy. And they just love people like, oh, I don't know, former senator from Connecticut, Lieberman, because he is one of the founding members. Another founding member of no labels is one of Joseph Biden's former speechwriters. So, I mean, are we really looking at the third party, middle of the road type of candidate from no labels? No, of course not. Um, and, you know, the, the RFK leans down a very, very tyrannical style of policy when it comes to uh, environmental policy. Uh, he tweeted a few things during COVID, uh, wanting to extend mandates and all that for the environment, the Green New Deal and all that. So I don't, I don't mm -hmm. necessarily agree to that. But... Let me ask you a question. If we are going down the libertarian path here, what is the best libertarian 
I guess, response to Joseph Biden as to why he needs to go? Oh, gosh, because he's the ultimate representation of the worst fear of a libertarian, which is an uncontrolled. Don't it's hard. one thing. To... No. Well, so the whole thing is like that, that, that the state exists and that it's yeah. increasing its own power and domain over the individual and that it's growing. And imagine having someone on top of that who doesn't even know what's going on is controlled by the under part of it. It's yeah. just the worst possible situation. You don't even have someone at the top from their point of view that uh, even understands it potentially. And so it's just wildly increasing. Right. So, but they would say that about just about everyone, but I guess that's what would make Joe Biden particularly worrisome. But I Mm. think anyone in general, if they're not tearing it down, then they're not even considerable. And I think a lot of people would say Trump is not tearing it down even at all as well. There are ways that he has stumbled. We know that. <laughs> so I want to, can we go down a different path a little bit? I mean, what do we think should be drug policy over the next couple of years, particularly mm-hmm. on the libertarian angle? No. Because we see a lot of this. I mean, I live in New York, so I don't travel into New York City very often um, because of what's been going on over the past couple of years. Last time I went in there, people were dealing drugs all over the streets right in public, nobody cared, right in Times Square, uh, stepping over excrement, uh, watching people perform lewd acts, everybody walked by like it didn't matter. So is there a drug problem? I would say so, but what do you think that should be done about it? So the people that I've heard who are smart seem to be saying legalize it all because that gets the drug cartels out of business, that makes it um, regular, you know, if you... I don't want to use the word regulate in the context of libertarianism, but, you know, to make it a legitimate business would be to make it safer. Um, and that ultimately it's a completely harmful to have any sort of, well, the war on drugs, but any drug laws at all, frankly, are harmful. So I think that makes a lot of sense to me at this point. Um, but what, you know, what happens when you do that and how do you deal with what happens when you do that? Certainly you can't just say, okay, like whatever, you know, so I don't know, but I like, I favor total legalization of all drugs at this point, just from a logical perspective, like, like, you know, and so, so people say, so you want it at Walgreens? Like when my kid, so maybe, I mean, it's, it's crazy, but Who's winning from the dynamic we have now? I don't see anybody winning. I see only harm being done. Now, the war right. on drugs is largely uh, something that our own DEA has been implicated in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> decades ago. Um, yeah, I, I, Michael's. You already think. I think you know this about me. I would legalize every single drug, and that upsets some people. But here's the thing: personal responsibility is something that's very, very important. And, and no, I don't think I'd legalize all drugs for people under the age of 18. I think that there's still some common sense to be had about the developing brain, uh, making sure that we're good stewards of society. Can, can uh, I make a distinction? Are we talking about yeah. pharmaceutical drugs? Or are we talking about things like we're talking know, about marijuana, psilocy- and all dude, that. marijuana, psilocybin, all whatever. All I'd legalize all of it. You know what? Heroin, hell, legalize it. If someone could go to uh, their local Walgreens and get their heroin, which I can't believe I'm even saying this, but I'm just getting it from the point of <laughs> if you know you're getting it from a source that's not going to have it laced with fentanyl, maybe it will save some lives. Although I think heroin, as 
killed more of my friends in my lifetime than any other drug. So that pains me to say that. But my point is just people have got to take personal responsibility for their lives and stop relying on the state or the government to protect them from themselves. Legalize it. Um, it will take violent crime off the streets. Uh, people that are drug dealers, it's going to be amazing to watch how fast the gang violence starts to dissipate when they no longer are pushing drugs on street corners for a quick profit when marijuana is just easily accessible wherever they want it or whatever else you want to be able to purchase. All of a sudden, what are your turf wars going to be over? Like, <laughs> who spits better bars? I mean, come on, like, <laughs> it'd be a I'll much it one safer. Further. Go ahead. Imagine the uh, spiritual enlightenment that we'd get from all of that, particularly mm -hmm. in the field of psychedelics. I mean, we're looking at another 60s revolution again. I mean, great. All right, I'm in. I'm on board. Let's all do drugs in a safe way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, that all of that. Yeah. I mean, what's the argument? So, there's a decriminalizing versus legalizing and the guy that i take my advice from on this is a former convict uh seriously um i've connected with this guy who did some did some hard time for some serious financial fraud that he did i mean i'm this guy is no angel but he's really sharp and he got to know the cartels uh in prison and they they wanted him to to run numbers for them i mean so he got to know their business mm. and i think where he go He's a libertarian by nature, so but he goes full legalization yeah. because he wants to take them out of business. Right, right, that makes sense. Have you ever read uh, Robert Anton Wilson? No. no. Okay. It's, I could have just answered the question before you said the name. No, 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 no. It's okay. <laughs> He's like, I don't read. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You know what? It's it's funny uh, because doesn't Portugal have a yes a very lenient yeah about it? And I don't know. I, I've heard people, I've heard chatter recently that like maybe signs are that it's not where initially the reviews were very positive. I, I don't know how it's panning out, but initially I heard good things. It's, it's crazy with that. And with homeless, like, what do you do? Like, so God, do you do drastic things, which is not libertarian at all, but that's the state taking, do you relocate people? Do you do tent cities? Do you have, this guy's vision is <laughs> put them give them access to all the drugs they want. Some will die. Others will self-medicate. Some will get better. Very few of them. Some will just live in these trailer parks that we're going to build these mobile, these, you know, but, but do it. So I guess even this libertarian, I guess the reality is state's going to be involved no matter what we do. And so it's just a matter of what we're going to do and how we're going to justify it. Right. I mean, so this is a very, almost a very draconian path that we have to go down to solve these problems doesn't look like there's a good answer for any of it um it, it seems like because well it seems like we find ourselves in a time where there is cause to find a drastic central someone to do a law and order candidate a trump ah. let's say someone there's an argument for someone to come in and just fix things but that's not very libertarian. No. no one can fix our problems. Right. Only And it goes back to the culture and what's wrong. Yes. Now and we're so back at Gavin the beginning Newsom, of the Yeah, now we're back at the Gavin, beginning of the conversation. Has Gavin Newsom neglected his job as governor permitting this feeling of lawlessness in California? Probably possibly it feels that way to me, but 
people what's going on like why are the why is there so much theft what is the problem that's true too i mean i think we're looking at a, a, an issue with human nature though and the culture in america itself and it's not just black culture no no i, I didn't mean it that way right but but you know we are you know there's a place for that conversation but generally um is is our culture deteriorating yes, yes. And so critical race theory plays a role in that. Why we've attacked the, the culture that we have. And the way I'm looking at it lately is like, well, yeah, I mean, it is a white system, so to speak, that it were derived from. We've derived from a white system. It didn't come from Angola, right? Like our founding fathers. And so what are we going to do about that? What does that mean? Uh, Google Gemini would contest your claim that they did not <laughs> come from Angola. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you saw those pictures. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Yeah. But can but, I ask you guys about, or yeah, I want to ask you about the AI and the alien conversations. That in, what, what do you what, what to what, make of this? What, what, why don't we get to that question in just a quick moment? Okay. I want to wrap up here on the network um, and then let everybody know. You, you want to continue this conversation from here. Uh, you're going to have to go over to one of the social media formats, type in America emboldened or on X at real Greg Bolden, or you go to my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash America emboldened where the, the after party, so to speak is where Brian's going to ask a lot of other questions. Now, if you've been enjoying this conversation, like I have, and I know Chris is at this point too, uh, Brian Escal, our guest is hosting his own show on all of your favorite podcast networks. And that show is called searching for political identity. And in our conversation here, I think we actually did a really good job of searching the entire way through for what is the ideology? And we didn't answer any questions for listeners, and I apologize for that. That was never the intent of today tonight's episode. The intent was simply to have that conversation and to um, open up maybe our minds to an alternative uh, viewpoint. And I think Brian might have challenged my listeners a little bit there with critical race theory, and I appreciate that. And uh, perhaps you you heard some that you enjoyed. If you did, make sure you reach out to Brian at Brian Escal. Uh, E-S-K-O-W, uh, Brian, B-R-I-A-N. He's on X as well. Send him a message. Let him know you heard him here on American Bolden. Brian, thank you for being part of the network show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's an honor. I, I was hesitant to be a guest because I'm in search mode. And so what, what could I really offer? But it's an honor to connect with you and to be here. Well, thank you, Brian. I think Jack Kerouac said it best. He says, I have nothing to offer but my own confusions. All right, Bold mm. American audience. That is it here on the network on America Out Loud. If you're watching online, don't worry. It's continuing on. We're not going anywhere. This conversation is going to get wild now. Uh, but anyway, for all those listening on the America Out Loud network, we hope that we honored your time. Well, we'll see you on Monday with a more, uh, more great conversations and dialogue about what's going on in this country. As always, I'm your host, Greg Bolden, with my special guests, Chris Michaels and Brian Escal here on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold, America. And for those that are still here right now, the show continues on to the after party. Everybody put on your party hats that I passed out before. Let's get rocking and rolling. We're going to get the AI. We're going to talk aliens. We're going to talk esoteric. I don't know what you have in mind. We can flip the tables. Brian Escal's now interviewing us, Chris. Let's rock and roll. All, all right. right. What, what do you want to go with? <clears throat> Well, it's like the search for truth. I mean, really, it's all connected. And it is. So, and so what is true? You know, 
you go down the David Icke rabbit hole, the Alex Jones rabbit hole. I'm I'm discovering those worlds too, and it's like, what the. F- F? You can say it now. We're not on the network. Yeah, you so, said well, it on the network, but now you're censoring it. So, uh, so check this out. At 10 minutes and 40 seconds, he said it. At 38 minutes and 33 seconds, he said Uh-oh. it. Yeah, I time-coded it. I'm going to beep that out. I got this covered. I'm really on my own. Per- no, no, it's okay. I keep this show clean on the network. You can say yeah. shit, but I just try to stay away from the F word. You're all good. I, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, don't worry. Uh, I, 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 yeah. I never... I never, no, I never I, I'm sure yeah. I wouldn't want to offend your audience or you, and I don't want to make extra work for you, so... I'm, won't happen again. I'm good at what I do, Brian. Don't worry about it. I yes, got this covered. Yes, you are. He really yes, is. Yes, you are. So I, so with me, like with David Icke and all that stuff, so I hmm. ignored David Icke for a long time, um, just like I ignored Chemtrails for a long time. But the book that turned me around for him was Alice in Wonderland um, and his, um, his study on 9-11. And in that book... You don't get to lizards. You don't get to alternative realities. It's just a solid book of material on why the story doesn't make sense. And everything is cited. At the end of every chapter, it's just Mm. a page of footnotes. Mm. So that's what turned me on to David Icke. Um, And I'm a natural metaphysicist anyway. So, I mean, just, you know, going from there. So for me, uh, I'm not a fan of David Icke whatsoever. Uh, I've tried to book him on the show, and the fact that he's turned me down has nothing to do with me not being a fan. I actually have not been a fan for over 20 years. I have a problem with the concept of people literally being reptilians, uh, that they're like shape-shifting aliens or skinwalkers. Um, I don't go there. Uh, Personally, my mind is not open to that the way that it is open to other individuals. And I find that David Icke has managed to cash in and make tens of millions of dollars off a narrative that these reptilian people control uh, the kings, the queens, and our government. And I know that maybe that might upset some of my listeners if that's where you are. That's okay. We can disagree there. I just don't believe that lizard people, the way that David Icke believes, are walking amongst us. And uh, I have a problem when people start cashing in on fear. That goes for Alex Jones as well. Now, Alex Jones, I've often wondered if he's actually part of an intelligence community. Because Alex Jones, since the 1990s, has been on top of things before they happen. He called September 11th before it ever happened. You can go back, you can Mm -hmm. watch the video. Um, He talked about the Bilderberg meetings long before anyone knew about the Bilderberg meetings. He exposed the political elite for what they are. And so I do respect Alex Jones for that. What I don't respect Alex Jones for is after the shooting of a bunch of children, him going into a whole crisis actor uh, standpoint, where I'm thinking, if you're a parent and you're sitting there going, okay, I'm a crisis actor and I just lost my five-year-old, which is the most innocence of life, a kindergartner, um, that's irrehensible. Like that, That's an evil human being at that point in time. So for all the good that Alex Jones has put into the world, there's the side of Alex Jones that I think he's just dastardly fucking batshit crazy. And I, I, I can't, I can't align my, my, my thought process with them. I can keep an open mind to a lot of shit, but there are certain things you just, you push the boundaries too far for me. And I, I can maybe accept you as an imperfect messenger on other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're cashing in on people. Here's a book for everybody 
talked about it last week with uh, Dr. Gallimore. I think it was Dr. Maybe I forget when I talked about this. I talked about it though. 180 degrees. This book. I think it was with uh, Vive or whatever. Uh, Viva Fry. Yeah, that's the, right. Yeah, yeah Viva Fry. Yeah. Uh, Fergus O'Connor Greenwood. This book is loaded with what you would call conspiracy theories, except for the fact it's all cited, probably like the David Icke book, uh, Michaels. It's all cited extremely, extremely well. And you start to realize the world's not exactly as it seems. That doesn't mean there's lizard people, but it does mean that there's some very bad actors that are controlling the background of the strings. You and I, mm-hmm. uh, the three of us, I know for a fact, if we wanted to be millionaires, we could align our shows and become millionaires. And you know that to be true. If you don't know that to be true, you're not paying attention nearly enough to the way people are grifting and cashing in on what you can do with social media and a podcast. I refuse to do it. If all of a sudden I'm going to become a millionaire because I became a voice for people, it's going to be on my terms and I'm going to do it honestly. I'm not going to do it by cashing in on fear. I, I just refuse to go there. Um, that's my take on the David Ikes, the Alex Joneses. I follow the money and I go, eh, I got a problem with it. Do you know his net worth, David Ike? Uh, what's his net worth now? $245 million. Oh, so I wasn't uh, exaggerating. Thank no, you. No, he brought in right. $52 million last year. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to start now and say, guys, did you hear about the Zink Zook people? The Zink Zook people are coming up out of the ground in the next 10 years. Mm, sounds uh, it's, good. It's been 15,000 years since they last did it, and I have great evidence for it. You just need to pay me $1,000 per seat to come yeah. hear my talk about the Zink Zook people. So interesting, and because I never got to the bottom of his rabbit hole and really got to the thesis conclusion, like, okay, it's shape-shifting reptilians, like, mm-hmm. because the, the breadcrumbs that he puts out on social media are often very reasonable. Um, and as you said, there are string pullers. That's what the libertarians believe, right? The uniparty, the string pull. Okay, so like that's all fine. But then you ask yourself, is there more to what meets the human eye, spiritual element? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, okay, <clears throat> if that's the case, if we forget about shape-shifting aliens, you know, what could be true is is still pretty vast. And with the Uf- UAPs, I mean... Shoot. So if you go further down beyond the lizard people with David Icke. It's further, further down? Yeah. Yes, it goes really far down. I've, I've, so, I've gone down the rabbit hole. So beyond the lizard people, it really comes down to frequency and, mm-hmm. you know, law of attraction style mentality. So you're talking about why are we experiencing this? You think that the news is fake? Your reality is fake. So who's controlling your reality? And it doesn't necessarily have to be lizard people because there are people, there are beings above the lizard people. Sure. And everything is consciousness and everything is one. So why are you choosing to experience this timeline where you believe there are lizard people in control? So that's like, that's the real gist if you go beyond the lizard people. He kind of throws it in your lap. And when he gets oh, wow. there, I'm with him. Right. I'm with him on frequency. And I will tell you, Brian, um, if you want to talk aliens on this show, it's welcome anytime because aliens are real. Uh, but they're not what people think that they are. And I think that that's I'm listening. What are they? Yeah. I mean, well, I, I'm not the definitive voice on it, but I've spoken to enough people that have challenged me over the last five years that are experts in their fields. And I'm pretty sure at this point in time, 
that when we talk about the demonic entities or we talk about angels, we're talking about frequency. We're talking about where does our consciousness go after we die? Where does this energy, if energy can neither be created nor destroyed, as Einstein proved in his theory, then that means that at the moment of death, we're just not a bodily, uh, a bodily form anymore. Our energy is going to go somewhere else. Aliens, I believe, from what I'm talking to people about, are the spiritual world. And when you say spiritual world, that immediately makes people think religion. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say spiritual world, I'm talking about the frequency world. I'm talking about the fact that every single frequency is part of a visible and invisible light spectrum, which means that the sun in and of itself is an alien being which means that we that give off light are alien beings as well. And so when we talk about UAPs or people that might come to visit us and stuff, I'm more of the thought process that the UAPs are actually us, or it's about maybe a civilization that's underneath the ocean, because God knows we have not studied that nearly as much as we should. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, aliens in the sense of what people experience as far as uh, apparitions and visions, it's in the frequency and spiritual world. 100% go through all the ancient texts, go through the Bible. It tells it over and over again for us. And for whatever reason, people ignore it because you put religion in front of them and they go, I can't, I can't listen to this. You got to remove religion and you got to go straight for what is frequency and what did the ancients know that we are ignoring and ignorant to. This sounds exactly like what it feels like Ike's and Jones's conclusions would be. Where is the hiccup? Where the, why Why would they insert this ridiculous notion of lizard shapeshifters if it wasn't necessary? To me, it's money. And is it so far-fetched? I mean, is it so far-fetched? I mean, you're, I mean that, was, that was an expansive answer on, hey, this consciousness post-physical form or pre-physical so form. So let me, let me ask you a question. What do you know about broadcasting? What do you know about like the science of broadcasting, the way radio waves travel? Have you, okay, uh, let I'm me give you- Searching for broadcasting and knowledge. Let, let, let me give you a searching for broadcasting knowledge 101 in a, a quick 60 seconds. All broadcast frequencies, our brain waves, everything are part of the light spectrum. The ultraviolet radiations, right? The visible light spectrum is all frequency you get to certain frequencies, you get x-rays, right? That's how we're able to take x-rays. It's the sun will send off gamma burst. They're all frequency. When we send a radio signal to our cell phones, it's frequency. The entire universe vibrates on frequency. This concept of you know, what type of skin do you have? What type of skin does Chris have? What's our ethnicity? Could we be reptilian? Could we be some alien species, a gray? That to me doesn't fit into the laws of physics of the frequency world. Our cells are all vibrating right now in our body. It's a good damn thing that they are or else we would be dead. You know how our cells are vibrating right now? At either a delta frequency, a theta frequency, it's going straight off our brainwaves, the, the words that are coming out of my mouth. It's all brainwave frequencies. It's all tied together. So you brought up AI. I've talked about on my show, Neuralink. Neuralink and AI, they're really going to be tied well together because once you understand the brain's frequency, guess what you can do? You can implant thoughts. You can mind control. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg just said earlier this week, 
that the next step for his Meta glasses is a wearable on your wrist where you can just think about what you want to type and it sends the impulses to the fingers and it will be minute movements, but you can type entire chapters of books. That's the next yeah. step. People understanding yeah. frequency it has nothing and to do with reptilians. On one, on one hand, it's so exciting. On the other hand, it's terrifying because obviously what's <laughs> potentially possible with tyranny. But Ike is hitting that note. I mean, so that's what I'm kind of hearing from him. Controlling, cabal, Satan, Satan you know, ritual abuse mm -hmm. is real. Summoning dark energies. Um, so, I mean, and then the mind control, <clears throat> the AI. So what do you I'm, know about manifestation? Oh, just the con just generally that it aligns with this idea of frequencies and that you create with your thoughts, you know, reality. Uh huh. What do you think witchcraft is? Uh, going in a negative direction. It's manifestation. What do you think prayer is? It's manifestation. It's all part of the same tool. It's intent and purposes. You talk to a witch, a witch isn't going to be like, I'm doing evil works. No witch is going to be like, oh, I'm bringing evil to the world. No, they're like, I'm bringing a manifestation of what I believe should be in the world. And I believe it's justified. Normally they'll tell you exactly why they feel it's justified. This is Chris's world. I'm going to let Chris talk here. This is, you love talking about <laughs> Keep this. Keep going. I, no, I'm Well, Chris, back. I mean, what about the implications? If, if energy, I mean, I mean, once you say that there is, I mean, then, then where does it stop? Uh, well, have you ever heard of with the uh, with the with the potential with Satan and God and angels and demons and whatever form you may imagine? What what the f? <laughs> uh, well, have you ever heard of Blavatsky before? Of course. Okay. No, so no 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 no. Serious? No. <laughs> Who's right. Blavatsky? Blavatsky is uh, he a said woman. that so well. well He's I'm, like, I'm such a good born. liar. Yeah. Uh, so Blavatsky was. Depending on who you read, uh, she could be an awful Satanist or she could be um, one of the people that came over from Europe in the early 1900s, late 1890s, and really made waves in American, I guess, occultism or secret societies. Um, she wrote a couple of books. The one famous one is called Isis Unveiled. Um, I'm reading through The Secret Doctrine. Um, the secret doctrine is so big that there is a third book, and that's just the index. So that's how broad the, these concepts are and how all-encompassing this is. So what I'm finding out through all of this is that what is conspiracy fact 100 years ago, or what's conspiracy theory today is occult fact 100 years ago, if you can follow that concept. So all of these ideas that David Icke is putting out there about energy and frequency and Alex Jones is putting out there, those are all secret society concepts that are now making it to the mainstream. Mm -hmm. So you can look at it in a couple of ways. It's either, oh gosh, we're on the precipice of something really dark because now all of this stuff is coming out into the fore. Or there is something to all of this and we have to fight back and push back on the direction that the society is going in. And what I mean, what do I mean by that? I mean, things look pretty bleak, right? Elections being stolen, bizarre mandates against people, masking, vaccines, all that stuff. So what do we have to do to push back against these kinds of concepts? What new ideas do we put into society so that it germinates and alters reality? That's where I think a lot of this is going. Uh, maybe not all of it is true. Uh, do I believe in reptiles? 
Short answer, yes. Um, my ex, when I was in my 20s, she was a cop. And um, she, her first night on duty was in um, Times Square and uh, on New Year's Eve. And one of her duties basically was to make sure the rich people could get in and out of their apartments. So she was escorting one guy. He was from England. And she said to me, and she swore up and down, all of a sudden his eyes became slits. And his, you know, when you wake up, everything looks kind of fuzzy. You know, you got to rub the coals out of your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His face, and only his face, looked that way. And when I mean, she, it registered with her, he got a little flustered, and he said, thank you very much. Enjoy your New Year's. And he turned around and he walked away. I mean, I'm also guessing that's New Year's dark light. You know, yeah, odd lighting in, lighting in Times Square. Well, it's Times uh, Square. Know. I mean, it's not exactly. I'm, I'm sorry, the reptilian thing just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> so I laughed when you said that because I th- initially thought you were making a joke and saying an ex you had in your 20s was a reptile. <laughs> That's but what I thought. I was no, no, no. She wasn't a reptile. She was. A she snake. left her yeah, eggs uh, around <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually, a random woman. I hate to. I don't mean it disparagingly. <laughs> from X that I connected with who sounded quite credible said, yeah, that's what she described with the, the person that she said she thought was a shape. She was getting yeah. blurry. Right. All I'm saying is technology and hmm. with technology alone, but then if you open the door to energies and what might be possible, Anything is anything is possible. possible. Anything is possible. Yeah. And so these you, I mean, what, you know, it's just hard to know. It's, this is a big part of of where I'm at. So, so, so if you look back at Greco-Roman mythology and the origins of mankind, and also she goes through this in in her books, there are essentially seven races of human beings, and we are essentially in the fourth or the fifth race. And each race is a little bit different, and each race gets a little bit more enlightened. And this is all validated through Greco-Roman mythology, too. So the first race of humans weren't corporeal. They were energetic. And then they needed to expand their knowledge. So they become a little bit more dense. So in other words, they start to have a, have a form to them. And then how did, then the big question becomes, how did they reproduce? And then there's this whole concept of what they call the sweat-born and then you're looking at things like budding, you know, like you see with sea anemones. So then humans start to reproduce in that way. And then you have the androgens, which are androgynous. You have an, a whole race of androgynous human beings. And then that race splits off and becomes male and female. But then at that first male and female race, you get giants, right? And then at a certain point, everyone gets angry at the giants. And then you have what we are looking at today. I mean, you, there's a lot there to unpack. I mean, you can go down the transgender road with this, too, and say that, well, you know, why are all these transgender people Luciferian? And knowing that, how come, and knowing that Baphomet is androgynous, um, why are they doing this? You know, <laughs> there's a lot of occults in society and right so now. So what, right? what is the big narrative then? Let's assume all of this, you know, let's assume anything is possible. Like, what is, is there a grand narrative? That's my question. Like, is it, what is the narrative that there, that as you laid out, we came from energy and there's diversity and it's weird. So, I mean, so, far, so, yeah, ahead, so Greg. I, I would, I would argue that we came from energy and there's people that discovered that we're from energy. We finally got to that enlightened state of being. 
And as Chris always points out on, on, on the show, when we talk about these type of things, we say it's, at some point in time, people decide to invert the energy. Now, energy can be inverted. Uh, matter of fact, on like a drum set, right? If you have a microphone that's out of phase, you could invert your microphone and get it to sit in better into the mix. The frequency will play better. So if there are people that are tampering with that frequency, CERN, Large Hadron Collider, you would have to invert the energy in order to keep it stable. Are you seeing what I'm throwing there? So yes, I am a bit like open-minded to some of this stuff, but just in a little bit different way than the David Ike. More than a bit. Yes, More I am. More than a bit. I mean, I've gone down that rabbit hole a lot. You bring on... So what is CERN then in the theory, in this theory? Oh, what is CERN doing? Oh, I know generally it's like particles, so, high speed. So the Large Hadron Collider will, will crash into the Bosom Higgs, which is trying to find the mass or the antimatter, so to speak. Uh, how can you get a, a, um, a negative positron uh, in order to have antimatter. So if it were the touch matter, it would destroy it because they believe there's got to be a balance on either side. So what they've been doing is speeding these protons up at speeds never before and energy never before possible on Earth. And they're crashing them into one another to the point where it's making mini black holes. Now, they only last for a quick moment before they're gone, but they're able to be observed on a computer. The problem is if you believe that this is all energy and you believe that we're all, all in this part together, when humans start creating an artificial insertion into that energy, energy has got to invert in order to keep balance. So my argument is ever since the Large Cauldron Collider, fire it up. You know, you can look up the Mandela effects we can see that there are things that people remember differently now that they swear were a certain way and we're almost like you know we got a bunch of strings of paper right we're all living our lives on this timeline but perhaps we slip to the next paper the next timeline we don't even realize it that's the inversion of that energy that frequency by the large large hadron collider i believe that is a real possibility I remember my career being a lot better than what I thought it, what it is today. So, so you're saying so so in that in this theory, the collider is taking us off of a off well, of well changing our timeline, think, presumably yeah, to a, a negative time one. Slip. Think of a reality. A time slip because frequency is changing, so therefore frequency has yeah. got to invert to maintain balance so, and homeostasis. To, to what end? For what purpose? So, you know, so we have theories. <laughs> yeah, for theories. I mean, I, I'm not the expert in this field. Sure, I've no, just, but I'm just I've read up know, on it a ton. Yeah, yeah. Like what to what end? According to whatever theory you might have read. So, so the theory that seems the most um, aligned with the what people are going with is the fact that there is a overall balance to the universe, the alpha, the omega. Some people call that God. Some people call that the energy, the the Big Bang. It was always there, no matter what. Mass matter. That has always had its own hum. It's always had its own natural, unorganized, but perfectly organized order. Almost like, uh, I forget what the tiles guy is. The uh, guy who came up with the tiles that when you lay them out, they never create the same pattern again, the same. Uh, anyway, what we discovered is those patterns have actually existed for thousands of years. And when you lay them out, there's a divineness to the patterns. There's order within it. The Large Hadron Collider would be humans tampering with a logical order. Therefore, that logical order needs to invert in order to maintain homeostasis so it doesn't collapse upon itself. So let's... So, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, I was just going to ask. So, if the if, so, if you're saying that would be disrupting the natural natural architecture of Correct. the energy structure of the universe. Um, but what was the point about inverting? So there's got to be inversion in order to keep frequencies stable. And that's An why I use the, the Omega, that's why you the, the, correct. That's why I use the drum mic, uh, because anyone who's ever done audio engineering, they're listening to this right now. You'll, you'll understand when you mic a drum set and you have mics on this side of the drum set and this side of the drum set, try to get my hands there. Um, this microphone's capturing the snare at a different time than this microphone. If it's closer to the snare, therefore you invert the pattern and it blends in and phases your mics. And so when they're in phase, it's all one again. Otherwise, it would not sound good to the human ear whatsoever. I believe life and energy has to do the exact same thing. So it's a is it? A, I'm sorry. Is it a malicious act? Well, that, to do what they're doing. That that's a great question. I would say um, it is an intentional act at this point in time. The big question is who's doing it? Why are they doing it? Uh, what do they know that you and I don't know, and everybody else in the world? Um, the rabbit holes that I've been down over the last two years, when I started this show, I think I was a moderate and I'm now like a anarchist libertarian in some respects, but I'm a libertarian light. Um, I really struggle with, with Republicans and Democrats a lot in, in some of their ideologies. Uh, but the things that really ripped the bandaid off is when I started talking to people about COVID and we didn't touch that at all, but like, if you think about COVID and what came out with Google, YouTube, which just removed me, um, you got to research the Trusted News Initiative. What do you know about the Trusted News Initiative? As much as a Blavatsky or whatever. The okay. <laughs> so if you're going to do a show on Kowski. searching for a political ideology, you've got to look up the Trusted News Initiative in light of, especially for this conversation, in light of what's going on uh, in... <laughs> The politics world. I'm going to pull up this page for you from BBC. All right. The Trusted News Initiative is a partnership founded by the BBC. It includes organizations from around the globe, including the AP, the AFP, the BBC, the CBC, European Broadcasting Union, Financial Times, Information Futures, Google and YouTube, the Hindu, the Nation Media Group, Meta, Microsoft, Thomson Reuters, Reuters Institute for Study of Journalism, Twitter, The Washington Post, Compass, Indonesia, Dawn, Pakistan, Indian Express, NDTV, ABC Australia, SBS Australia, and NHK Japan. When you start realizing that this was put in before COVID and you start wondering why people weren't allowed to talk about COVID with an open dialogue and that the trusted news initiative has been censoring voices and getting people deplatformed and canceled, you start to realize that there are big people in power. And then you start following the names, your Mark Zuckerbergs, your Bill Gates. You start finding who are the people that are controlled at these news networks. They're all WEF news media members uh, as part of the WEF. They are literally part of the trusted team of WEF. And if you don't know anything about that, I didn't mean the type .com because I know it's not .com. The WEF is right here. Sorry, everybody. Um, now it's only going to want to give you .com. There we go. The World Economic Forum page. When you click on it, I'm going to show you some things tonight, Brian. And once you go down this rabbit hole, you might not go back. Why is I was going to say we're not getting out of it. Yeah, I know. Except all cookies. Sure. Why not? They can know I'm looking. Why is it in a different language, Chris? Beats me. I don't know. Pro program. Well, it's all Greek that. to me. 
<laughs> quite literally. All right. So in the program, so they have events, our impact, leadership, and governance, partners, sustainability. I think it might be here. Is this the leadership? Yep. So when they talk about the board of trustees, right, and we can start to go through and connect that back, BlackRock. BlackRock owns almost so much land in the United States and around the world, one of the biggest organizations tied directly here. We have news media that's tied in here, um, the European Central Bank. So we can talk about central bank digital currency, which, by the way, Aaron Day, who was running for the libertarian ticket for a while, was a great person to talk about that. He's been yep. on the show. Yeah. Um, you got all the banks basically in here. But this is not the whole part. I want to get into uh, the people that they bring in. Communities, is that what it is? Yep, here it is. So let me expand my screen so you can see more. All right. They have teams for arts and culture. They have teams for Global Futures Council, Global University Partner and Corruption Initiatives, Forum for Young Global Leaders. Um, you know, that's where Elon Musk used to be civil society. Mm. All of this includes the news media. CNN is part of this. The BBC is part of it. You can click through these pages, ladies and gentlemen, you can find everything that I'm talking about. So who are the people that are in control of this information, the trusted news initiative, and why are they controlling narrative so much for the world? And what do they have to do with things like CERN? And yes, they do have something to do with CERN as well because the people are tied directly to the leadership at CERN. It gets to be a wild ride. And yeah, where do you stop? At what point are you like, holy shit, I'm down the conspiracy theory aisle so far. Get me yeah, my tinfoil. And you want me to answer who I'm going to vote for in this election? Like, what? So, that is literally where I'm at. I'm actually further away. <laughs> so, yeah. like, going back to your question about frequency and all that, and what it all means, and who's doing what, and what's the purpose of it all. I'll say this about frequency. Greg brought it up. Um, okay, so do you know what chakras are? Yes. Okay, so you energy, know the energy vortexes. Right, around your body. body. You've got seven major ones, and I don't know. Depending upon who you talk to, you've got up to 120 of them, 126 of them, oh. or whatever. Oh. So the seven major ones, they start from your crotchetoral region, and they go up to your crown, and they follow the color of the rainbow. So Roy G. Biv, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. And then, you know, you got one here, you got one here, you got the crown, heart chakra, sacral chakra, so on and so forth. So notice the color pattern of that, Roy G. Biv, going from your crotch to your crown. Look at the pride flag. Pride flag inverts those colors. Pride flag also removes the throat chakra color. So it's almost as if you are now more primal because when it comes to sex, sex is a primal act. Um, and when you're going down that road, think about identity. Think about our society right now. Oh, you have to know that I'm a lesbian. You have to know that I'm bisexual. You have to know that I'm whatever it is. No, no, I really don't. I really don't care. <laughs> have fun. Yeah. I don't care what you All do. Right. Just leave right. me out of it. So when you're talking about frequency, you have to go down that road. Uh, because everything is frequency, colors, shapes. Uh, there's a reason why buildings look the way they do. Um, if you look into the occult meanings of architecture, exactly right there, what Greg is putting up. The occult meanings of architecture, uh, it's supposed to be a reflection of the societal soul. So we've got some pretty ugly looking buildings right now. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I'd rather go back to the 1800s than 1700s. Yeah. Some a lot very glorious architecture back then. Yeah. Um, so that's what the signs you have to look for. But when you're talking about what's the purpose of it all, at least in what I'm studying, the biggest 
object that I've found is the idea of experience. So that experience comes in every single aspect that you can possibly think of and experiences that you can't think of. That includes reincarnation, and that includes being the male and the female, the murderer and the artist, everything that you can imagine. And you also have challenges in those timelines, and those challenges come in the form of what we're facing. Um, there's a concept called the Eighth Sphere. So the Eighth Sphere is a spiritual cul-de-sac. And the Eighth Sphere, instead of being a spiritual progression, it's a technological progression guising itself as a spiritual progression. So look at around us. We've got smartphones, smart toilets, smart cities, smart grids. It looks fantastic. What easiness can I bring to my life with a smart grid? Um, but it's a spiritual cul-de-sac. Are you really advancing spiritually? Or are you going to engage in a 15-minute city with central banking, digital currencies, electric vehicles, and a social credit score? Um, and then it goes on and on and on from there. But the point is, is to experience, to go through the experience, to go from this spiritual human down to a very, very dense human, and then back up through spiritual enlightenment and get lighter and lighter and lighter again. That's the whole thing in a nutshell. Unless you so get, uh, thank you so much. Unless you get, it sounds like there are these technological, and I, I know we've all connected with Jake Chansley at one point. Mm -hmm. I heard you reference him, and I've been fortunate to connect with him too. He actually, I asked him if this was correct, and he's you said, guys yes, talked about aliens the entire time for the most part. We it's did, pretty yeah. cool, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for saying it. But he said I got it right in a subsequent tweet. I said, hey, do I, the, the spiritual ascension path and then ascension in terms of the spiritual path where you can do all these crazy things mm -hmm. like that seem like magic and the technological path where you get to do damn near all those same things seem like magic, but you're not, you're further from God. You become this right. disconnected from consciousness. And it's, so is it, or we collect, if you want to call that collecting souls and trapping them. Oh, that's a okay. different story altogether. <laughs> well, is it though? Well, is it though? Well, if you're talking about collecting, trapping people in this cul-de-sac, mm -hmm you know, disconnecting them from the spiritual path. And is that what these technological yes. UAPs are, these demons? I don't know if you knew what I was going to ask. No. Is that I what these, these these forces are that are trying to impose this technology on us to upload our consciousness to AI and remove and disconnect us? Now, now it, you're on the right path. I think, at least in my studies. You know, this is all conjecture and opinion at this point. But it, how is that really different than saying you're trapping a soul? I know you, you, I spoke too soon. You're on the right path. Okay. With everything. Yeah. So right. you could read a lot of uh, mythological um, accounts. It's frightening, guys. It mm -hmm. is frightening. Yeah. But it's okay because we're talking yeah, about it's, it. Right. No, it's 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 you know what's more it's frightening? Mind blowing. What's more, more frightening, frightening what's more frightening, Brian, is the fact that the three of us can have this conversation. I know, and not stop. And no no, <laughs> that's that's that I mean, that's awesome. But there will be people that are listening to this that are not able to deal with it. No. That's more frightening to me. The people that can't connect the dots and think critically enough to go, can I at least explore this without going, I can't go there. It feels unsafe. It's a conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, that, that I think that's a major and problem. It really does all connect. It does. All of it. It does. What am I? What's true from that? What's the best way to do society? But that becomes a secondary question to what am I and what's going on here? Right. Um, Never getting the philosophy. I love it. Well, yeah. Good. Um, yes. now we're in my I wheelhouse. think if you're right with the soul trapping, 
um, because you can read a lot of texts that talk about how when souls die, they go to the moon or they're trapped in limbo in a space between the earth and the moon. I mean, then you're talking about the Van Allen belt, right? That electromagnetic frequency that goes around, um, which you have to go back to what Greg said, that everything is frequency, including a soul, right? So you've got that going on, but you're also correct, which validates the eighth sphere concept, where if you engage in more technological advancements without incorporating a soul component to that, so a moral compass to your technological advancements. So in other words, not creating something that kills other people, then you're going to go down this eighth sphere path and you're not going to spiritually progress. Your gifts that everybody has are going to atrophy, right? You said you go down a spiritual path, you have superhuman strength or whatever it is mm -hmm. that you want, or you can have a smartphone and you can think about things however you'd like mm -hmm. and tell other people about them too. So you're on the right path with that, I believe. And when you're talking about UAPs and UFOs and all that, um, I genuinely believe there is a human style being, if not a type of a human, um, because I don't believe the human story is unique. You know, I believe that the human story is, is pretty galactic and inter mm -hmm. and intradimensional. They're trying to cheat their spiritual progression. So one of the things that you realize when you read all of this stuff is that human beings are very, very unique because they experience emotions. Mm -hmm. And these emotions are basically fuel to create realities, which goes back to our manifestation comments. So mm -hmm. if you can feel an outcome that you want, then it will manifest, right? However you focus on that. It's the feeling that counts. The feeling is the mm -hmm. fuel. And so... Other beings don't have that kind of outlet, but other beings know that they have to progress spiritually. So sometimes these beings atrophy spiritually. So we're going back to the eighth sphere concept. And so they need to remove the soul from the human body. And so if you go back to a couple of uh, adverse events from the gene therapy injections that we had, people were saying, I can no longer feel God. So mm -hmm. most people are atheists. Now you're saying atheists can't feel God. I mean, that's a pretty big <laughs> statement mm -hmm. there, right? What a side effect. Yeah, right. <laughs> you so know, then I, who's going to step in? Michaels, I, I was also thinking, like, you know, Brian just went down the f philosophy road, and what you're saying actually goes really well with philosophy and what the Greeks used to talk about, Aristotle. When Aristotle was asked, you know, what is the purpose of life, it came down to achieving happiness. Can you imagine all the people? Like, I, oh, yeah. I, I often wonder about if I'm a really good teacher or if students just really like the fact that I bring happiness at 7:10 in the morning. Mm. Like I really do like every morning I bring humor and joy and a love of my job when I hit the classroom because I want to make sure that when students are in my room it's a happy place. I myself am happy. Uh we're having a good time. Um not for pleasure. Like it's not a happiness I like oh, let me make th this all in fun and games. But as Aristotle would say, it's an exercise of virtue. We don't know how to exercise the virtue of happiness because when I look at the students that aren't happy, this is in their hands. Yep. We're distracted by screens. 
We're not connecting with one another, which is, I think, why I'm addicted to podcasting and talking to people. It's mm-hmm. It brings me happiness to like this conversation. When we're done here this evening, I'm going to think about it for the next hour before I go to bed. Tomorrow, at some point, I'm going to think about it some more, and it's going to bring me happiness and joy that we didn't have an exercise just to have a, a great, fun conversation, but that it was an exercise of virtue which Aristotle and the Greeks knew is the purpose and ultimate goal in life. So if you take Mm. that away from people, you invert happiness, make everybody distracted by politics, everybody distracted by what the next big thing is, put your head into vision pro goggles instead of actually talking to the person in front of you without an augmented reality or stop the thoughts of uploading every thought. Now, maybe that's the thing. If you can disconnect people from their purpose, then you have complete control. If you have complete control, you got profits and you can serve. So I guarantee, you know, go back to Steve Jobs. He wasn't walking around with an iPad in his kids' hands. Bill Gates right. wasn't giving his kids that technology. Why? Because they know it's going to be an obstruction to your happiness in the future. It takes us out of human relation. Yeah, like on one hand, you could do the mundane version, which is, hey, this is... Uh products that uh, are making people money and they're making society unhappier and they're making us more controllable. That's the mundane version. But what is that other version that that has to do with souls and energy and, you know, trapping into the the consciousness? It's, um, it's a fascinating conversation that I'm, I'm following. And that's why I'm following Ike because he's hitting a lot of these points, but I haven't, I haven't exposed, I haven't seen the part yet that is, Trust me, I understand why he's viewed as wacky, but I haven't seen the part that I'm ready to wholesale dismiss yet. Right. Can we, can we do some fun uh, for everybody real quick? I'm but curious about this. move on, yeah, go look ahead. up, <clears throat> Brian, look up Dolores Cannon. Oh, I love Dolores. Okay. So she wrote a series of books called um, The Convoluted Universe. Hmm. I hoover them up. Her, <laughs> excuse me i hoover them up i you read them as fast as you can and it's yeah, all her, about past life regression her website is phenomenal too i'm gonna put that on screen for everybody i've gone through um one of her specific types of regressions um very very interesting stuff when she talks about the new earth and stuff that's fascinating to me um and so many guests have gone there and talked about that on my show so now i'm starting to pay attention to that more because they're not students of dolores canon but they're getting it from shamanism and elsewhere so i find that really kind of neat hey on your guys x i sent you a political compass test it's six pages but it's like eight questions on each page would you guys be willing to take that right now we can all share our results Sure. sure. I think that, that that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to, while you guys are doing that, I'm going to put mine up on the screen. If you want to mute me, do whatever you want to do while you're taking it, that's perfectly fine. I don't want to influence your answers in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if you think that you can take the test on your own uh, with me speaking and listening to me, by all means, continue to keep me up on the screen. All right. I'm going to put it up for viewers to check this out in just a quick moment in five, four, three, two, one. Here's the political compass test. I'm going to make that full screen for us. What'd you get for one? I haven't, (laughs) haven't taken it yet. I'm about to take it. Here we go. Cause I'm now curious, like in this conversation, how are we going to pan out? 
All right, economic globalization is inevitable. It should primarily serve humanity rather than the interests of transnational corporations. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I actually probably strongly agree with that. I always support my country, whether it was right or wrong. Strongly disagree. I cannot support a country when wrong. No one chooses their country of birth, so it's foolish to be proud of it. Um, I disagree. That's You can some, well, maybe not everybody has the opportunity to move, but put a disagree there. Our race has many superior qualities compared with other races. Uh, so, um, no, I strongly disagree with that. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, no, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, no, I disagree with that. Uh, it doesn't mean you should get in line with it. Sorry, I'm just talking out loud to kill time unless you guys want to have a conversation as we do it. Military action that the No dead air. Yeah, no dead air. We're going to read these and you guys will hear my thing and then we get Chris and Brian's answers here as well. Military action that defies international law is sometimes justified. Um, yeah, I agree sometimes. Um, there is now worrying infusion of information. Oh, strongly agree. Next, we're just talking about that for the last half hour, 45 minutes. People are ultimately divided more by class than by nationality. Uh, yes, strongly agree. Controlling inflation is more important than controlling unemployment. Um, ooh, that's a great question. Uh, strongly agree. Yeah, because we got to stop printing money. Because corporations cannot be trusted to voluntarily protect the environment, they require regulation. Uh disagree strongly because I believe corporations will eventually get what they reap from the customer from each according to his ability to each according to his need is a fundamentally good idea. Agree. The freer the market, the freer the people strongly agree. It's a sad reflection on our society that something as basic as drinking water is now a bottled branded consumer product. Yep. Strongly agree. Land shouldn't be a commodity to be bought and sold. Uh, strongly disagree. All right, you're going on mute. Be. You're going on mute. That's fine. I'm going to continue the talk through this. Um, it is regrettable that many personal fortunes are made by people who simply manipulate money and contribute nothing to society. Um, oh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. uh, I disagree. Your money's your money. Protectionism is sometimes necessary in trade. Uh, disagree. Wise matters. The only social responsibility of a company should be to deliver a profit to its shareholders. Um, strongly disagree. A company can do whatever it wants. The rich are too highly taxed. Strongly disagree. You could, um, actually, you know what? Agree. The taxes are really crazy. Uh, those with the ability to pay should have access to higher. I would do a flat tax, by the way, if, if it was my world. Those with the ability to pay should have access to higher standards of medical care. Uh, strongly agree. If you can afford to buy the best surgeon in the world, go ahead and do so. Government should penalize businesses that mislead the public. Um, no, the public should penalize. A genuine free market requires restrictions on the ability of predator multinationals create monopolies. Um, yeah, I don't like monopolies. Uh, abortion, when the woman's life is not threatened, should always be illegal. Ooh, now we're getting the big questions. Abortion, when the woman's life is not threatened. Um, I mean, 
I want to put agree, but I'm putting disagree. I mean, there are cases of like rape and stuff that I just, I struggle with that. All authorities should be questioned, strongly agree. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I disagree. It makes the whole world blind. Taxpayers should not be expected to prop up any theaters or museums. They cannot survive on a commercial basis. I kind of disagree with that only for the fact that history is important to be maintained and not everybody appreciates it. Schools should not make classroom attendance compulsory. Uh, strongly agree. All people have their rights, but it is better for all of us that different sorts of people should keep to their own kind. Um, strongly disagree. That sounds really weird. Good parents sometimes have to spank their children. I strongly disagree. I've never spanked my children. It's natural for children to keep some secrets from their parents. I strongly agree. Secrets happen. Possessing marijuana for personal use should not be a criminal offense. Strongly agree. The prime function of schooling should be to equip future generations to find jobs. Strongly agree. As a CTE teacher, I better agree with that. People with serious inheritable diseases should not be allowed to reproduce. Uh, strongly disagree. That's weird. The most important thing for children to learn is to accept discipline. Uh, let's go with... Uh, most important thing for children to learn is to accept discipline. You know what? Kids are undisciplined today. I will agree with that statement. Uh, there are no savage or civilized people. There are only different cultures. No, there's definitely savages. Those who are able to work and refuse the opportunity should not expect society's support. Uh, I would strongly agree if you're refusing. When you're troubled, it's better not to think about it, but to keep busy with more cheerful things. I strongly agree with that. First generation, uh, it's sometimes agree. Uh, first generation immigrants can never be fully integrated within their new country. Um, you know what? Culturally, I think that's a really strong bridge to, to cross for people. So I'll agree with that. Can't wait to hear Michael's and Escal's uh, views on these. This is going to be great. Uh, what's good for the most successful corporations is always ultimately good for all of us. Strongly disagree. No broadcasting institution, however, independent its content should receive public funding. Strongly agree. Get the taxpayer money out of broadcasting. Four of six, our civil liberties are being excessively curbed in the name of counterterrorism. Strongly agree. Significant advantage of a one-party state is that it avoids all the arguments that delay progress in a democratic political system. Um, do, 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 strongly disagree it's not democratic although the electronic age makes official surveillance easier only wrongdoers need to be worried strongly disagree it takes away your liberties death penalty should be an option for the most serious crime strongly agree As a matter of fact i would say that allow the people that had their family members killed kill the criminals in a civilized society one must always have people above to be obeyed and people below to be commanded mm. That's an orderly society, unfortunately. I have to agree. Abstract art that doesn't represent anything shouldn't be considered art at all. <laughs> um, I kind of agree with that. I'll take some hate for that one. <laughs> In criminal justice, punishment should be more important than rehabilitation. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, you know what? In some, that's it's a carte blanche. I can't answer that one way or the other. I'll put agree for now, but there there is a reason for rehabilitation. It is a waste of time to try to rehabilitate some criminals. Strongly agree. Some are not going to be. The business person, the manufacturer are more important than the writer and the artist. Strongly disagree. Writers and artists are some of our free thinkers. Mothers may have careers, but their first duty is to be homemakers. Woo, 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 that's going to get me in trouble. Um, 
I'm not going to say that one out loud. Um, I can't see this question. This question has hidden from me behind this advertisement. Um, heed warnings of climate science that is detrimental to our efforts to curb. Come on, stupid advertisement. Making peace with the establishment is an important aspect of maturity. Uh, strongly disagree. I'm still not at peace with the establishment. I'm old. Uh, almost all politicians promise economic growth, but we should heed the warnings of climate science. Strongly disagree. Climate science is a myth. Uh, astrology accurately explains many things. I uh, used to be a disagree. I'm now getting towards agree. You cannot be moral without being religious. Uh, I disagree with that. Charity is better than social security as a means of helping the generally disadvantaged. Strongly agree. Matter of fact, this is a myth. I believe that people like to point out that social security actually does something. Charity helped keep this entire society to get to where we are. Some people are naturally unlucky. Mm, agree. Uh, it is important for my child's schools and still religious values. Agree. That's why I send the Catholic school. Next page. Last page. Here we go. Finally, a look at side of sex. Ooh, now we're going to get good. This is where you guys are going to care about my answers all of a sudden. We're talking about sex. Sex outside marriage is usually immoral. Mm, what are morals? Oh, man. I mean, sex for procreation or sex for pleasure. I'm going to put disagree. A same-sex couple in a stable, loving relationship should not be excluded from the possibility of child adoption. Mm, do, 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 Don't do. let those recent stories influence you. I know, right? <clears throat> I'll put a great. Uh, pornography depicting consenting adults should be legal for the adult population. Um, I hate putting agree because I disagree with pornography, but I'll put agree. What goes on in a private bedroom between consenting adults is no business of state. Strongly agree. No one can no one can feel naturally homosexual. It, that's a bizarre question. Um, disagree. I mean, I think some people do feel homosexual. Uh, these days, openness about sex has gone too far. Strongly agree. Now let's see where I stand. All right. This is very, very interesting. Keep going. That's not you. Keep going. Oh. That's you. That's me. Wow. I normally score a little bit more to the right, but I'm definitely still in the libertarian. Um, but yeah, libertarian right. All right. But I'm very moderate. I very am leftist libertarian. Can you, uh, can you send me a screenshot of uh, what you got? I can share it. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead and share it. Let me stop my screen. All right. So that was me. Here comes mm -hmm. Michaels. If I can find it. So I am on the right. Michaels is going to be uh, on the left, it sounds like. But let's see how far down he is on that. Mm, hold on. Matter of fact, we have like the most amount of people watching right now. Uh, like we oh. had a fascinating conversation and everybody's tuning in right now to see where we lean in our political leanings. As I was answering those questions, I watched the follower count going oh. up and up and up. That's so interesting. It is. I was like, man, why are people watching me answer these hey, everybody, questions? Everybody forget everything I said earlier. I, you know, I was bad. <laughs> well, we got a lot of new people tuning in right now, so they didn't hear it. So don't watch. <laughs> it's... It's not working, so it won't let me share that screen. Do you know how the screenshot with your computer, Shift-Command-4, and then you shift, highlight? Shift-Command-4, Shift-Command. 
four. And then drag and highlight the part that you want to copy. And we'll take a screenshot of it. And then you can just share the screenshot on X with me and I'll bring it up. All right. Share it with you on X. Yep. All right. So once again, while uh, Brian is finishing his, my share screen, political compass test. If you've ever wondered where I lean politically, according to the politicalcompass.org, I am an economic left-right, slightly to the right, and social libertarian authoritarian. I am more libertarian than I am authoritarian. But I would just like to say for all the people that think I'm a, a right-wing you know, broadcaster um, or that I'm a typical leftist, I think that this is putting to bed once and for all that I really am more of a libertarian moderate um, in... in in my approach on things. And so I'm kind of glad I did this. And in a moment, we'll get Chris Michaels up. Uh, let's see. Did you get yours over to me, Chris? I just did. All right. And now we got Chris Michaels. You guys ready? Here it is. Uh, Chris Michaels is much more left-leaning yeah. than Boy, I am. Pansy. Yeah. On the economic scale. But he is more libertarian uh, then he is authoritarian as well. He believes in your freedom on the social scale. Now, just so you guys know, the left on economic scale is going to say that you believe the state should provide a little bit more services. If you're on the right, you're saying the individuals should fend for themselves. The authoritarian up top is going to lead towards more the government knows best, and the libertarian on the bottom is going to lead more to you know best. And so a Democrat is going to be more on the upper left, and a traditional Republican is going to be on the upper uh, right to mid-right. Then we get to the libertarian side uh, from those. All right. How about you, Brian? Do you have one yet? Yeah, I think I sent it to you on Twitter. Or X. Oh, okay. I will bring that up right now. Let me see it. Do, do, do. Um, I'm looking. Uh, all right. Here we go. Now, Brian is looking more like me. Share screen. All right, Brian's just a little bit further down the libertarian scale, and I'm a little more right-leaning on the economics. He's a little bit more economically moderate. Uh, so uh, probably out of all of us, I'm the one that believes that your money is your money and the government should lay their hands off of it. Um, and we should be very prudent about how we spend it. You guys, uh, Brian is a nice blend. Chris is like, you know what? Let the government spend some money. That's interesting, Chris. I didn't realize that. About I didn't realize you. it either. <laughs> I, I didn't a... like the modern art thing. It just didn't sit well with me. Yes. <laughs> you know what? I don't like modern. I don't love modern art either. But the question was like, it, was it should odd. be disregarded or something. I was right. like, oh, I'm not going to disregard it. I mean, yeah. Okay. Maybe I should have said, yeah. Yeah. But uh, like, I don't but, consider but, it art. I drop out at Bauhaus in the 1920s. Not for right. me. All those so, chairs you see in the doctor's office. So I wish it I wish it had asked, do you like modern art? Right. Yeah. I answered on like a social level, like yeah. well, let them have their modern art. I like modern baseball. That's a good band. Oh, that's <laughs> that, well, I like that. I thought you meant wool uniforms and <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I play vintage baseball. Well, I played vintage baseball. That was a lot of fun. There's a dirty secret about me. You guys can find photos probably of me and uh, dressed up in 1860s garb playing baseball barehanded. Wow. That's your blackface moment. I got yeah. it, the Nell <laughs> Jolson bit when he was baseball done. Face. 
I got a, a finger mammy that doesn't straighten now that broke right there. The bone like chipped Ugh. off there. I got here sticking out from taking a baseball that way. Yeah, lots of lots of fun injuries playing vintage ball. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, in the search for political identity, does that help you at all, Brian, in understanding maybe why you're not connecting with any of the sides? It certainly feels like that's where that's a snapshot of where I am. Right. Uh, so I, I buy that. It makes sense. Um, and I'll just have to take it prior to the election, hopefully make some progress and see what happens. It, it's an interesting measuring stick. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean it gets everything right, but I, I've taken these before and they're normally in the ballpark of how I normally would identify myself. Yeah. I felt like today maybe put me too close to the middle. Uh, compared to where I normally am, I'm normally a little bit more right and a little bit more down on the libertarian. Uh, so just, I guess, how I, I think felt. I did this about two years ago and I was towards the left, left leaning, slightly left leaning libertarian. So maybe yeah, the shift right, yeah. Refle- definitely. Yeah. And I had a previous account that I, I say grow, I begged to like my way to 9,000 followers and I was much more left leaning at the time. I abandoned that account because I was like, no, this is not genuine. So um yeah right now i i have shifted i'm beginning to shift and it's because of who i'm talking to so right. we'll see I, I need to talk to more diverse voices there's no question yeah i need to get more left justin, voices you should set up What's a that? justin bieber fan account and then why wouldn't i yeah exactly and then, and then switch then, it over at the last Dom, right like bobby you, kennedy <laughs> on on whatever it was TikTok with the uh story <laughs> yeah right that? yes the hearts <laughs> or, 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 or maybe Dom well, Lucre can buy your uh, Justin Bieber fan account and get another 50,000 followers. Yeah. Or you can turn <laughs> it into a Krasenstein. There you go. Oh, there you go. I mean, do be, that too. Uh, some role models. Brian Krasenstein Jr. If Krasensteins hey. can do it, we can do it. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Jew, Jew, I think they're from New Jersey. Jews yeah, from New Jersey who made it big on social media. Okay. I'm looking at you guys. All right. Double J's. Jews from yeah. Jersey. Yeah. That's where I, that's what I am. Um, so, uh, so Brian, quick, wait, wait, are, are you ahead. in the, are you in New Jersey, Brian? San Diego. I've been here for oh, okay. years, but, but I'm from initially. We're, we're, uh, what area of New Jersey? You don't have to say the exact central Jersey central. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. My, my in-laws are in uh, Jersey. That's why I was curious. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I'll be driving up through Jersey, going up to uh, Long Island here in a few weeks. Yeah. Watching Someone's Chris, getting married. Watching Chris Michaels get married. Yep. Mm. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Only took me four decades. <laughs> Super cool. Hey. Good for you, man. But There's a good. time for everything, Chris. There's a time that's for exactly everything. it. Um, before we probably leave, it's already ten o'clock. Yeah, but uh, yeah. you had questions about AI. Oh yeah. So, um, look up a guy by the name of Jordy Rose and Kindred AI. Um, you can find a talk that he gave back in 2017, where he says AI is essentially the medium to communicate with extra dimensional beings. Mm. And he says extra dimensional. Um, Then you can look up, um, I forgot the guy's name, but he's the whistleblower from Google. um, And he um, was talking about Google's AI Lambda, L-A-M-D-A. Um, and that he references how Lambda was programmed by three people, one of those people being a Kabbalist. And the AI started to ask about how to summon demons um, and do all sorts of wonderful things like that. So if you go down this road and then you factor in Neuralink, 
being able to connect to Starlink, if you look at the patents. Um, what are we looking at here? You know, are you looking at a way for AI and Neuralink to connect to you? And does that mean an extra dimensional being, an, an AI avatar, is uh, possessing you to some level? Because going back to what Mark Zuckerberg said, your little wristband will be able to connect to your personal AI. Mm -hmm. So does that mean to function in society, to get your central banking digital currency, your social credit score, you need to have an AI avatar? So there's a lot of implications that go along with that. 100%. Um, yeah, we've ex we've kind of explored it all, but it, we could go around and around the block a million more times, oh, and sure. it will still be fascinating <laughs> and worth doing, Right, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. All right, gents. That's it. That's all, everybody. We're yep. calling it a wrap on the evening. Brian, thanks for joining us. It's been a blast. You're welcome Thank anytime. You so much. Let us know when, uh, when you want to be bored. And... Uh... <laughs> no, no. So honored, guys. Thank you so much. It was a wonderful conversation, and you guys are awesome, and I got a lot of interesting notes to follow up on. Can't tell you how grateful I am. Next time I'm in La Jolla, I'll drop by. Please do. Oh, God. I love La Jolla. For sure. All right, bold Americans. So <laughs> we're, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, I'm going to end the live stream so I can say goodbye to Brian here on the flip side of the live stream. Hope you guys all had a great night. Hope that we honored your time well. Peace out, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you.